panics attack It feels like I've been talking to myself again But it's the only way Don't worry, Pirate TV hasn't taken over tonight, folks uh, I'm sure you all had a good laugh at the flyer A lot of people think that Steve Hastie's got a, a cracking resemblance uh, To the man it's based on, like so. I was worried, I was worried <laughs> Welcome to NUFC Matters It is Friday night, which means it's Three Amigos night I've had my booster jab, so you'll see that I'm not sitting with my green screen behind this. I'm sitting in the comfort of my living room today because uh, I'm definitely feeling a little bit worse for wear off the back of that. But I'm going ahead. We're doing it. I've got other podcasts to do tonight. I must be bloody mad. But um, at least I'm warm and uh, in a safe place. And if you haven't had your booster jab, um, you know, I think you're probably going to get told together at some point. But uh, I've got mine, three Moderna. It's a hat trick. Perfect hat trick of uh, jabs. So uh, we'll see how, uh, see how things kick off. As always... Tonight, we've got all the usual features, all the usual guests, plus the added bonus of having Ben Jacobson, as he's a Leicester fan first and a Newcastle fan second. So looking forward to, uh, to speaking to him <laughs> at around about half past six. Toon Tipster will be with us, and Andre has already pre-recorded uh, his, his little bit as well, looking ahead to the game at the King Power on Sunday. That, of course, is if it goes ahead, because at the moment, Steve Hasty, um, it's, it's looking in doubt, isn't it, with regards to the COVID outbreak that Leicester have suffered? Yeah, apparently so. I mean, uh, they played last night and I think they had seven players out, but still put a, a decent decent team together. In fact, I think the team they put out was probably the strongest team they had. Seems to have hit the backroom staff and some of the youngsters, but uh, or some of the fringe players, put it that way. But uh, you're never too sure how this is going to pan out over the next sort of 24 to 48 when they came back from Italy. Um, I think it's a case of a watch and brief for, by all accounts from what we're hearing. I know the players are still scheduled to fly out tomorrow. Uh, down to down to the Midlands, and uh, you know, so the travel arrangements are still in place. But uh, let's see what happens. I mean, uh, we've already seen Tottenham's game called off. I mean, they've had this is their second game in in a, in a number of days called off their game against Norwich. Um, is it Norwich they're playing? I'm not too sure. I think it might. Yeah, be. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, not Brighton. So, that's right. And they, they played Norwich, didn't they? And yeah, it was. Uh, all, I thought you meant was the game that the the game that they didn't have was that not Norwich? Norwich. I know there's there's been some sort of link with Norwich because they did they play Tottenham and uh, prior to prior to last week and then they feel as though they've got players who are coming down with it as well and it just shows you how uh, this can rattle through you know not just one squad but a number of squads uh, if it's not kept in control um, let's hope the game is on I mean it would be it would be so disappointing I think because you know. We're on a run, aren't we? We're one, one win. We're going for our second. And I think if we're honest, what a great time to play Leicester. And I'm sure that uh, that Ben, when he comes on, will have some words to say about that. But, uh, you know, they're leaking goals like I don't know what. So, uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens. Yeah, COVID's back with a vengeance, Neil. Uh, what's it like out there? Out here, it's not too bad. I mean, we, we still have a number of measures in place with garden mask wearing and social distancing in various places um and obviously um we've got expo 2020 which was delayed on here at the moment which which the ue are making a big thing out of and a lot of people coming in to to see it and the numbers are staying pretty low and pretty controlled um but they did act quickly to stop flights to certain parts of africa the minute there was a, a question mark over the, the omicron uh, variant um, the, the challenge with COVID has always been it, it, I've never known anything so communicable, and and so when you, once you get it in a squad, it it'll rattle through. I mean, it makes our 
conjunctivitis with the towel incident look looks like small fry, you know. Um, and and this is the the challenge, and um, as it seems to be with a new variant, everybody's seeing at the minute medically that the, the symptoms are actually quite mild, and therefore people could fly under the radar with it, no problem at all. Um, because we're also in the time of year where you get normal things like seasonal flu kicking around, and which, like many viral illnesses, share similar um, initial symptoms. So it's really very difficult. Um, we're spending all of our time looking for a zebra in a field of horses. You know, the, 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 the common things are still very common. Um, but it's obvious in certain areas of sport where they've relaxed measures, and we're seeing this in the NFL at the minute now, where they did relax measures uh, and suddenly some squads were getting hit again uh, and they put the measures straight back into place. Uh, and that's why you've seen some of the Fiorari other players getting bans because they were, weren't being totally honest about their COVID status and their COVID vaccination status. Um, and I think, you know, rightly the Premier League have put some COVID measures back in place. Um, it feels like shutting the stable door after the horse has bolted, though, if you look at the numbers at Spurs and the numbers at Leicester. Uh, and we suffered from it, you know, not that long ago. We had a the game was it with a leg called off because of numbers. Um, it, you just hope that with the right measures in place, everything can get back under control. For being selfish, we, we've got the potential to get some momentum going here, and that's what we need right now. So selfishly, I want that game to go ahead at the weekend because yep. we're in a good place and we're in a happy place and it feels like we've got some momentum again and that's what we need. So, um, yeah, selfishly, I want to say go ahead. Yeah, me too. Uh, OK, I'm going to uh, announce a special competition which John from QTech has uh, uh, thrown on us. I didn't forget, John. I just wanted to get the COVID thing out of the way at the start. NUFC Matters members draw. So if you are an NUFC Matters member, um, this is sponsored by QTech. It's a thank you to everyone who has watched the show uh, since we started. Uh, the prize is uh, a PS5 console, dual shock controller, official Sony cam and FIFA 22 bundle. So it's a PS5 FIFA bundle. This is going to make a great present maybe for you. Might be for uh, your grandkids, your kids, whatever. Um, great opportunity. So how do you enter? Well, all you need to do is be an NUFC Matters cult member to enter the draw. Uh, John is going to do the draw at around about 7 o'clock. So if you're not a member, get your phone and just simply place your camera in front of that. And it takes you straight to the membership pack offer. Memberships are active as soon as you buy them, says John. So get your phone from your uh, camera phone. And uh, place it over that. It'll take you straight to the website and you can become an NUFC Matters member. It's a one-off fee. And uh, you will go into the draw tonight when a PS5 and all those other goodies to boot. Uh, the draw will be at 7 o'clock. Good luck. And uh, thanks to QTech again for another fantastic prize. Thank you, John. Uh, okay. Another John. John asks you in the chat. Even and all, interested to know Ben's views on the Premier League's fast-track temporary stance on sponsorship and whether he feels is appropriate and legal. John. You'll have to put that through later on because Ben isn't with us until half past six. Tom Lynch says, evening, everyone. Season ticket holders, check your emails. I've just been talking about COVID. You need to complete the Plan B COVID declaration. Only takes a minute. If you don't, you could be locked out of St. James's Park. Now, yeah, I mean, I filled mine in. It did just take a minute. Um, 
Now, there has been a little bit of, of to and fro between supporters, Steve, and this won't really concern Mitch because he hasn't been to the games living out uh, in Dubai at the moment. But from your perspective, Steve, and my perspective, we've both been to the games. Um, I have never been checked at all at any of the games that I've been to. I have sat in the Platinum Club. I've sat in the Leasers End. And I've also been in the Gallagher this season. And not once have I been asked at all for me check. Now, I do know people who have been asked to prove that they've had the jab. What about you? No, no I haven't. I've, I've been in 1892. I've been in early. Uh, you know, when I say early, I've been in, you know, an hour before. But I've also been there with five minutes to go, dashing up like I was on sun, on Saturday. Um and I haven't been I haven't been asked. I haven't had to show anything other than quickly zap the the season ticket, and and uh, through you go where you get your little wristband by the ne- at the next stop off point. So no, I haven't I haven't witnessed it. I haven't heard of anyone to be perfectly honest. You're the first person I've heard, Steve, that uh, that has been asked in any way, shape, or form. And I'm wondering how this is going to work. I'm wondering, you know, <laughs> this is going to be what in a in a. What what's the next game? It's Man City, isn't it? That's yeah, the next Man City game. So we've got Man City game. Is it going to be announced that we'll have to get an hour earlier? Because you can imagine the congestion at some turnstiles is pretty bad to begin with. And we are notoriously late arrivals, uh, or late arrivers at, at grounds because everybody likes to, mm. to socialise in town beforehand. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, it's, it's also quite interesting, Steve. I see lots of people who are queuing up and um, picking up tickets on match days um, and the queue at that little ticket office at the side in the mm. Melbourne is, is always packed and um, whether it's people whose tickets are no longer working and they have to go back as, as to happen to, uh, to somebody just last weekend who I know uh, tickets been working fine. All of a sudden the ticket wasn't and they had to then join the queue and, and get either the season ticket reprogrammed or they had to get it, they had to get a paper one in exchange all these other little delays that take place and, and things that stall people. Um, you never ever get a game delayed, though, do you? If people aren't in the ground on time, that never happens. But uh, no, uh, never experienced it, Steve. And it's going to be interesting to see how how they actually handle this. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think, like a lot of people, I've, I'm, I'm wary of, of, of this business of having to fill in another piece of paperwork. There are... NHS apps that you can get that you can just show on your phone as you're going through. But now that this this other little bit, another declaration, another bit of paperwork, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it seems um, I'm wondering whether this is something that every club is doing in exactly the same way, or whether we've now got 20 different ways to, to go about it in the Premier League and another 72 different ways to go about it in the in the lower leagues. And, and of course, some clubs in the lower leagues won't even bother with it because it's for people who are less than 10,000. So it's not happening down the road either, is it, you know? No, definitely exactly. not. Steve, Steve, you can guarantee there'll be no coordination with this at all, as well we know. Yeah, um, I'm curious to know how it's going to work for me, because, I mean, I'm hopefully back for my new game, and I've got, I know I've got tickets, um, but I can't have an NHS COVID pass because I don't live in the UK and I'm not registered with a UK doctor. Yep. I do have a UAE vaccination certificate. I will have had a PCR test probably within 72 hours of going to the game. I can easily get a lateral flow test done, but is that enough? Will they accept that? I don't know. And yeah. 
does anybody make it clear? Because I can't be the only one in that situation either. In fact, I know I'm not. No. <laughs> so, and, and, as, and as, as we go forward as a club, as we get more global fan base and you've got people wanting to come in, these are the challenges that the club should be thinking about. But I bet they're not. Sheffield United game, I was lucky enough to get a ticket. Only 10,000 of us went. But I've got to be honest, it was very, very well organised and very well done. And it's not very often I'll say that. I've been to concerts at St James's Park, which have been organised chaos. Um, but that Sheffield United game, albeit only ten thousand there, well done, well done to Newcastle is what I said afterwards because it was it was done well. And we all had staggered times, a lot of mumbling and groaning because certain people had earlier times. I think my my time on my ticket was one forty five for a three o'clock, but I wasn't too disheartened with that because I was going back in. I was lucky enough to be going. Um, you know, I hadn't seen the ground for so long, so it was just nice to be able to go back in and soak up the atmosphere. It was quite an emotional day, but um, they're gonna have to organize it. I would imagine it'll be staggered times, and that's how it'll be done. But you know, yeah. we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and I think what we've got to remember is people's health is more important yeah. than football at the end of the day. And um, we don't want anybody, uh, you know, picking up something, um, you know, and and you know. God help them end up in hospital or, or worse from you know going to a football game. It shouldn't happen. Yeah. So um, it's you know it's a crazy world we're living in at the moment, and we've just got to abide by the rules and do yeah. what. But I would say, is. Steve, that that, that uh, for that Sheffield United game, they had nearly a year to prepare. <laughs> I was I was on Zoom meetings along with Thomas Kincannon and a few others, uh, Thomas from the Support S Trust and the FSA. And uh, we had we had at least two conference calls, Zoom meetings with uh, with representatives of football club to talk about the issues that were going to ensue, what the protocols were going to be, etc. And that was for the what we thought was the original uh, return to football, that then got knocked on the head. So you know all the all the protocols that have been discussed and were being put into place, they then had another year. Uh, or just under a year to actually get themselves sorted and, and to, to really get the staff trained up and understand what it was they were going to be doing. I think one of the problems, of course, was uh, what happens with the staff as well. Uh, you know, do the stewards have to have, do they have to sign these declarations as well? I mean, they're still in the Platinum Club or in, in the 1892, all the, all the staff are wearing the face masks uh, or they're wearing the, the visors, um, and yet the catering staff aren't. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a really really strange mix that goes on at the moment, uh, Steve. You know, and and you you kind of put your finger on what's right and what's wrong, or what should be and shouldn't be happening. Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? Whether it's them, whether it's somebody in the at the club, or whether it's uh, a, a supporter. Um, it's just very very difficult, very difficult indeed. These are difficult times, and I think at the end of the day, if they've put something in place. Basically, we're all just going to have to abide by what whatever it is that they're putting in in place and work with them to to make sure that it happens as streamlined and straightforward as as it possibly can be under the circumstances. Yeah, well said, Steve. Well said. Well, we'll see how it all develops. I've got to say congratulations uh, to Ronnie Burns, uh, Ronnie UK two on Twitter. He is the winner of last week's food bank T shirt, fifty pound, uh, winging its way to the food bank. Uh, for that wonderful Bobby Robson T-shirt. Thanks for your generosity, Ronnie. And uh, please get in touch with Steve Hasty. I've dropped you a tweet uh, about that. So uh, thanks very much. Okay, back to the comments. 
Lots of nice comments coming in. Thank you for that. Uh, Leicester seem to be running scared from Eddie's magnificent mags. I hope Spurs and Liverpool tell them that they need to play when they do ask the real decision makers. Very funny. Rob says, Evening, Stephen, the lads. Happy Friday, everyone. Always a great show. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Tom, good evening. He says, Evening. Everyone, do we expect the game to go ahead on Sunday due to Leicester players having illness? Touched on that at the start, uh, Tom. Who knows? Who knows? Um, we can't carry on like this, so can we really? Uh, game's getting postponed. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting. Um, but I think the game will go ahead. I think I, I think it will. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Toonami uh, says, Mitch, can you tell Formula One over there to wait till the Newcastle game finishes? They are on at the same time. Have you got any swing, uh, Mitch? I know people there, actually. I know the, I know the chief medical officer and I know one of the senior stewards very, very well indeed. Very um, might be able to pull it off then. <laughs> I'll try and arrange a rainstorm or something like that. Yeah, do a rain yeah. dance tonight with your budgie smugglers Sandstorm. on. Yeah, uh, exactly. exactly. Dan says, evening lads and lasses have not had time to put one together, but Lando Norris and young Lauren Robert, he's talking about lookalikes. He hasn't Ooh, had time to put it together, but thanks for that, Dan. We have got some uh, We have got some good ones. Chipper says he doesn't know who suits the eye patch better on the uh, promo <laughs> from John uh, today. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let him keep it. Uh, here are some Leicester fans I want and Roger sacked. Surely not, Looney Tune does. Yes. Surely not. Aye. Really? What's I've that all that. about, Steve? Yeah, I've read that this morning, and uh, I've just seen I've just seen an, another little piece in a in an article saying exactly that that the, you know this is the man who won them the FA Cup less than six months ago, and uh, now they're saying that he's not good enough for Leicester City and they want him sacked. It was something I was going to hold back on until Ben came, and I'm sure Ben will have something to say about it when he does come yeah, on. Yeah, good but, idea. This is this is the nature of football, isn't it? Now you lose two, three, four games. I mean, look at look at the Villa manager. He lost his he lost his job after after five defeats. You know, it wasn't 22 defeats. You know, it wasn't 22 without a win or anything like that. It's five games. This is the pressure that some of these guys are under. And um, I suppose the, the trouble is you, you, Rogers has done so well to get them to where they are. I mean, you know, they, they had to lift themselves after the, they got rid of Ranieri after they won the league. And then they had Claude Puel and, and Shakespeare and people like that coming in. But they're, they're, it's... A, is this the problem when a club appears to punch below above its weight for a, for a period of time, and then the expectation becomes so much that that after a couple of defeats that we start screaming for the manager's head, you know? Um, unbelievable! It really is unbelievable. It, it, I think if you were a proper Leicester fan, you'd have to question if it was somebody sitting alongside you who was coming out with that sort of, uh, sort of stuff, Steve, because. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's ludicrous. ludicrous. One thing, one one thing I did find surprising yesterday, though, mind if you look at Rogers' comments with them being knocked out of the Europa League down to the Europa Conference League, for him to come out and openly say, "I don't really know anything about the competition," um, is a bit weird. Yeah. Considering that there was a possibility you could go down into that competition, so you think you'd do it. Maybe it's a little bit of research as a football manager to do something about that. Or was he just so confident, so arrogant that they wouldn't get knocked down with that he just didn't even give it a second thought? That does seem like a weird comment on the back of getting knocked out and rumblings from the fan base. Mm -hmm. it, it would make me, me then question, well, what else aren't you researching? What else aren't you looking at? Yeah. You know? Um, maybe we're just used to 
you know, the, the massive amount of bloody data that, that people like Rafa used to come out with, you know, and they used to know everything and anything. Um, but it, it does seem like a weird comment to me, and coupled with fans wanting them out, it makes you wonder what else has he said in press conferences that fans have picked up on and thought, hang on a minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, latest score in the under 23s game and Newcastle under 23s too. Watford under 23s. Neil Dylan Stevenson and Lucas De Bull have uh, scored the two goals. Only a couple of minutes left in that game, but the 23s certainly in a rich frame of form at the moment. Peter Robson, the sports director's no more. Happy days. And yeah, somebody uh, uh, put this up saying, um, Did you actually play any part in taking the signage today? Is this picture genuine? Um, no, I think that was my. Uh, not Steve Wraith, the parody account that someone has set up uh, had got me down taking the taking the signs down. But um, yeah, Steve, it's great news. Um, just another another little uh, thing to be happy about uh, over the last couple of months, Steve. No, oh, he's paused. Mitch, can you hear us? No, I can't. Yeah, yeah Mitch. Um, just looking at the Sports Direct signs being pulled down um, this you know this week was fantastic, Mitch. It was fantastic and a real boost, you know, given it's another little uh, pointer that the Ashley Rain has done, dusted and gone. And that's what we've wanted to see for a long time. Um, the, the only thing I would say now is is to be wary of what some people are now coming out with about, oh, well, now let's change the Newcastle United thing because I don't like the font. And it's like, guys... We're getting everything done bit by bit, one step at a time. Let's not overthink it. Let's enjoy the moment, the moment that we've wanted those signs gone for so long because the, those signs going, no, don't just say that Ashley's gone. It means he's, it's not like what he did at Rangers where he still had bits of control. He, he's got nothing, nothing. There's no more control. There's nothing else he can squeeze out of the club. And those signs going are a big sign of that. And also opens the questions about, right, what next? You know, and that ties into that question that was being asked right at the start that we'll probably talk to Ben about, about, you know, what are, what's the next level of sponsorship we'll go to and what will we do? What will we be able to do? Um, and are the Premier League going to stop playing silly buggers? Because at the end of the day, they're still basically um, acting in an anti-competitive cartel-like way, you know, and, and not, nothing says we don't do anti-competitive behaviour, like a little bit of anti-competitive behaviour. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. So it gives us a chance just to revel a little bit more in the fact that the sale's done. You know, that this I spent what? 13 years of my life being involved directly in trying to get that man out of the football club in one way, shape, form or another. Um, and to see those signs go this week was um, very silently satisfying. I just sat there and just with a little smirk on my face, just thinking, yeah, finally, we got there. Any whispers out there, Mitch, about a potential sponsor? I mean, the Middle East sometimes is more reliable no, gossip. I know someone who has seen some documentation suggesting that what they want to put on the uh, on the shirt is to promote tourism to a place called Al Ula, which is a UNESCO heritage site, which is actually one of the the, the ruler's favourite 
um, places in in Saudi, and that would tie in with the, with the, the tourism, the, the thought that you know as they're building Neom and the Red Sea Resort, you're going to see certain changes in Saudi very very soon. I think, which will be groundbreaking. There's so much change happening here in the Middle East. The UAE, where I am, has just turned around this week and said, right from January the first, our well, weekend is now. Um, Saturday and Sunday, and not Friday and Saturday anymore. Which, you know, from my point of view, that's that's fantastic with the business plan. And thanks, lads. Thanks for that. I've now got two weeks to rewrite an entire year's worth of diaries. But you know, um, it is what it is. Um, and and they've also switched to a four and a half day working week, and and for government employees. And that's the kind of pace of change out here. You're going to see a lot of change in Saudi soon because there's certain things they're going to have to do there to encourage tourism. And so those changes will come. And that's one of the things they most definitely will want to see Newcastle United as a global vehicle with a global audience to put, be it, I believe there's a new airline um, to, to rival Saudi are going to be created, so a second Saudi airline. Wouldn't surprise me to see that involved. Uh, there's Neom in the Red Sea Resort. They're going to be in there somewhere, I would think. And I think tourism, because the, the countries in this region have always had an oil-based economy, they're trying to diversify. And that's why you see Dubai currently is a Taui-type destination for tourism, for example, um, because they know that's where the, the next level of cash is. It's, it's diversifying the economy. And so, um, like I say, I know somebody who believes Visit Al-Ula is the next um, is the next shirt sponsor, for example. In terms of ground sponsorship, training ground sponsorship, and training shirt sponsorship, there's many, many, many opportunities. Um, and even with these rules that say they can't be linked to the ownership, a lot of these things aren't necessarily linked to PIF. And therefore, there's no reason why provided they're at a fair market value. And bearing in mind, Man City and Abu Dhabi have got some bloody big contracts in there um, that we can turn around and go, well, hang on a minute, this is comparative to that. Um, I, I, I don't think, because the way Saudi like to do business, they don't like to do business sneakily. They like to walk through the front door, not the back door. They like to do it with their chests puffed out and their heads held high. They will find a way to make this work in a casting the night that's best benefit and not break any rule along the way, no matter what the Premier League do. And there's many, many, many ways to do that. Yeah, Steve, you, uh, your internet uh, let you down a little bit. So I did ask you just about the Sports Direct signs. Uh, were, you, were you cock a hoop when they were getting pulled down, mate? Yeah, yeah, like everybody else, you're just delighted to see them finally gone, weren't you? And uh, it's amazing how good the ground looks without all that uh, red and blue scattered all over the place, and especially uh, around the uh, the top of the east stand there, and that used to stay in the face. Um, you know, what I think what what is great with me is people are now trying to dictate in social media terms. Uh, what they think should happen now? There should be this. There should be that. They should paint the roof this. There should be some uh, some some new words put in. Mitch, Mitch mentioned the uh, the font there. You know, everybody's now got an opinion about what should go up in its place, and and and, and not only people but 
but you know, fanzines seem to be uh, chipping in left, right, and centre with suggestions on what should happen here, and this should happen, and then that should happen. And by the way, they should be doing this, and they should be doing that, and uh, we would recommend this. And, and I'm thinking, just you know, call me a chickens, lads. Call me a chickens. Let the people who are running the football club get on with running the football club. You get on with supporting. <laughs> That's all. You know, don't don't try and and create agendas that aren't there but you know that's that's the nature i suppose after 14 years of mike ashley and fighting and not getting your own way you now you know there are there are elements out there that now want to see that they you know that, that their own way can be uh established and and stamped on the on the identity of the club but uh you know just great to see uh great great to think that we've moved on and you know, for a lot, of, lot of people like us, Steve, who who have been in and Mitch, been involved on the cool face, as as Mitch says, for the last thirteen or fourteen years, just a pleasure to know that uh, you know from the from the minute we stood on on Strawberry Place in two thousand and eight, uh, and and were so annoyed and so upset at what we could see was going to happen at the football club, and then as the as the years went on. Everything that we thought could happen did happen, and worse. Uh, and to now know that uh, it's finally been put to bed and it's it, it's all gone is 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 great. You know, yes, the takeover was the was the big thing, but now, as as Mitch says, it's uh, it's it's just the, the place looks so much better. We all feel much better, and uh, we know that the players are absolutely buoyant at the moment because that's the sort of feedback that we're getting, and that for me is yeah. is the most important thing. That, that we're now hearing about about members of that squad who feel as though there's something really special taking place here and they're getting the vibe themselves that's coming through on the training pitch, it's coming through with team meetings and it's coming through with conversations that, that they're having with people who are who have been at the coalface, if you like, in terms of the takeover. So all, all, all very, very positive, Steve. Yeah, it is very positive and uh, lots of people happy. I'm going to ask Muzza. I have been asked a couple of times by people um, when I've been out and about pre-match and after-match, are the club going to do it? I will ask the question um, and I will get a response. Leave it with us. I, I did ask Liam Kennedy. Don't think he's he's um, uh, you know he's, he's either asked that question or whatever, but I will ask that relevant question and see. I imagine there will be because we know people who buy tickets in advance and apparently after Watford, the game's... Um, tickets, there's, there's not going to be tickets available. It seems as if they've took approximately 5,000 tickets off sale. I think it was John from QTech who mentioned that. Yeah. So, um, if that's the case, I would expect yes, there will be, uh, but don't take that as gospel. Check the club website, not very often we say that, is it? But nufc.co.uk <laughs> is actually operating like a club re- website now, and, and most, most times gets things out before nufc.com. So, but check both, keep checking both, and and like everything else, like everything that's important, I'm sure that the new owners will come out and make a statement about this because, of course, it's going to be beneficial to the club if they sell them. And they do have to have a percentage, I believe, of tickets available still for a match-to-match basis, Steve. Is that right? I think so, yes. I mean, I think it's a Premier League ruling. They've I think got to so, have something. Yeah. They've got yeah. to have something. But, uh, yeah, we will wait and say, OK, Chris, where's that half an hour gone? Uh, we're into Tweet of the Week already. <laughs> Now, I've gone for Tweet of the Week first because I've got so many lookalikes again uh, that I need to clear up some space on the uh, on the picture front to fit some other stuff in. So we'll go with this first. 
so I can load some more stuff on whilst we're chatting. Uh, but the tweet of the week is, uh, as always, you know, we find various things uh, on online which um, which are quite funny, take our fancy, whatever. Um, fire and skill, good pal of mine, often posting pictures of Mario, um, his dog. And there's Mario uh, looking quite relaxed uh, with a TV control. Um, big shout out to fire and skill. I hope you're well, mate. Uh, I can see Mario's fine and uh, dandy. Um, look forward to seeing you soon. We'll have to have a Christmas coffee, mate. Uh, I love this one. Um, it's not the first time he's been in the match at Newcastle. Not sure whether he's a Newcastle fan. I'm sure Graham Foster um, gets him in the box occasionally. Must be yeah. some connection between Graham Foster and him. But uh, Jason Donovan, especially for Toon, says Steve. Great photo. And uh, he, he, can come every, he can come every week if we start getting results like that. Uh, this one was hilarious, Steve. Yeah, I thought I, honestly when I saw this, absolutely brilliant. This is, this is obviously somebody said, "Mark, I'm doing a lap of honour after scraping a win against Burnley." So cringy, and Alan Saint Maximum replies, "Okay, but still not as cringy as your profile picture, though." <laughs> One Nelson Maximum, brilliant, Definitely. absolutely, absolutely brilliant. There you are, Kevin. I hope uh, I hope you're happy. He goes if he's looking for his wig. The guy to the left of him has nicked it. Come on, Steve Wraith. Got to give it a mention on next Friday's tweet of the week. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, that's brilliant. That. That's brilliant. <laughs> people ask me why I shaved my head, but that guy on the right is exactly what I would probably look like. I would look like a boiled egg with a tea cozy on. Um, yeah, not 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 a good look. That uh, definitely well worth uh, shaving your napper. Uh, this this was good as well, Steve Jimmy Moore. Yes, look at that. Totally forgot the singer for ACDC was in A Christmas Story. I tell you what, it does look, it does look like... There's a young Brian Johnson, isn't it? It does. It really does, yeah. Hanging around uh, the back streets yeah. of uh, Dunstan uh, when he was a, when he was a nipper. Yeah, good yeah. good one. That'll be people looking out for him in the film now. Uh, of will. course, the signs coming down has had everybody tweeting and everybody talking. Uh, Daddy Ben Salmon says, I've been waiting for this day to lift the curse on Newcastle. A, B, C or D? Talking about the hammers, of course. <laughs> uh, in, uh, in the, I think there was a lot of people probably would have volunteered. In fact, they could have made a load of money for the food bank or another yeah. charity, just getting people to pay uh, to go and take those signs down. But uh, yeah. probably against health and safety standards. I guess the tweet that everybody was talking about this week uh, was this one, um, which was fantastic, wasn't it? Um, what does that oh, say yeah. about the morale, Steve, in, in Newcastle uh, at the moment? It says everything. That's exactly what we're talking about. You know, this was the first win in God knows how many weeks. And and you just look at the smiling faces there. I mean, even when you saw, when that final whistle went on on, on Saturday and I watched, I, I, the first person that caught my eye was Lascelles. And he jumped. He must have gone about 10 foot in the air. And, he, you know, the arms were going and everything. But look, you can see what it means to the players. Uh, mind, knowing Newcastle fans, like they are, there was quite a few spotted that some people are still wearing the Puma undergarment. So uh, that's that's just typical, isn't it? You know, I think a lot of people were concerned about what Dwight Gale was actually, uh, what, what they were looking at as well with Dwight Gale. But um, I think we'll leave that uh, for, for yes. a, a later show. But yeah, Dwight, Dwight I'll Gale. I'll tell you the other thing. But the thing what? that grabs me in, in these pictures, I've now seen four pictures where I've seen Ryan Fraser smiling. Yeah. And I've yeah, yeah, never yeah. seen one before now. No, you know? you're right, mate. You're right. He definitely doesn't smile. It doesn't smile normally, uh, but there's there's definitely um, definitely an improvement. Uh, one of our favourite pages to, to to go to if we want to get brought back down to earth, uh, me, me more than most, it's got to be said, is uh, the We Are Side Raw 
or um, the uh, the Sunderland message boards. And uh, this was just do- uh, Doberman made me laugh, though. Roka Ren flags. Unfortunately, today is the first 3pm Saturday game. We've been unable to gather enough support in order to set up the Roka end pre-match. So the flags and banners will not be seen pre-match. Up until 10 o'clock, 10am day, when the decision was made, we had a total of two volunteers, myself included. This follows on from the Ipswich game, where we had three volunteers post-match, myself included, who spent over 45 minutes in the Roker end at full-time, clearing up and making sure the flags were stored to prevent them becoming damaged. Hopefully we are able to resume the display prior to Plymouth. Don't have that trouble with war flags, lads. Um... Jim Carrey, uh, I did spot this. I did find it funny, just with it being festive. Just so we're clear, the Grinch never really hated Christmas. He hated people, which is fair. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people feel... I think there's a lot... I do think there's a lot of people feel like that from uh, time to time. So I thought it was a good time to, uh, to share one of Jim Carrey's um, uh, tweets with you. Uh, this was a good one, uh, Steve, as well. Yes, Sam. Uh, hilarious that Sunderland fans think Frank Lampard would manage them if Johnson gets the boot. More chance Frank Butcher than Lampard. And then and then you get the response from Paul Shanks who says, more chance of Frank Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more chance of Frank Spencer. Um, again, uh, you know, we've got owners, new owners now, who certainly know how to play the social media game. And and I mean, look, we spoke about it, me and Liam spoke about it this week on the show on Tuesday. I, I've said, look, at the moment, this is great. There's communication um, in the media, there's communication, uh, you know, via Twitter. Uh, you know, if things started to go sour, maybe this wouldn't happen as much. But that was that was acting quite quickly on a report in the um, Daily Mail. I think it was uh, Craig Hope who more or less had said that, you know, uh, Emanalo had been, you know, had rejected the job. And uh, I, I might be doing him a disservice. It might have been somebody else, but I'm pretty sure it was the Daily Mail. It was, was it not Matt Law and the Telegraph? Oh, Matt Law and the Telegraph. Oh, yeah. yeah, apologies Matt to Craig Hope. It was Matt Law. So, yeah, Craig Hope did one about uh, transfer targets. That's right. It was a completely different story. But, yeah, this, this one, um, you know, from me dad, he just comes out and denies it straight away. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, contrary to, contrary to everything he said, you know, uh, in that article, me dad comes back and and bounces and saying, no, he wasn't up to the job. So hey, good luck to him. That's that's whether whether this will continue. Whether it's I'm not too sure whether it's a good thing or not. Some people will, will feel it is. I think that you know in the in the current climate, well, 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 they're new to it and and such like. But I think. As as they 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 the get themselves a communication director and they get themselves a director of football and 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 various other aspects of the club start to get added on to, I think we, we might sort of see a see a change in that. But uh, you know, I I think me and Dad obviously felt as though it was it was something that he felt needed to be addressed straight away with the press. And I think if if nothing else, from my point of view, I, that's what I looked at. I thought, you know what. It's all well and good, the press writing stories, and we've seen plenty of them over the last few weeks. But when somebody inside the ground and who's been involved, like me, my dad has, in whatever discussions that have taken taken place with uh, with Mike Lemonano, uh, when he says sees something, he obviously felt as though it was strong enough for him to come back and bite and say, no, mm. hang on a minute, you're wrong. Mm. He's not saying he hasn't spoken to him. He's just saying there was no offer made. So get your facts right. If you're going to write an article, you you make sure your facts are right. Not you imply stuff. And I think that's probably the message that they're getting through to the press at the moment. 
comes back to the to, to the fact that you know what we were told early on in it that he'd, he'd had talks in Riyadh, he'd been into the ground, and somebody inside the club was very clear to me that there was an issue and it was a fundamental issue and it wasn't financial and it wasn't this and it wasn't that, but there was something that would probably lead to it not going ahead. Yeah. And that still doesn't say an offer of any kind was made. It does say plenty of discussions were had about it. Exactly. Exactly. We might, come, we might come back to that. Let's get through the rest of these two. We'll come back to that. Hold that thought, Mitch. Um, this one made me laugh. Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher, of course, as we know, not speaking. Um, uh, Noel making a big announcement about being nominated for Record of the Year. And uh, Liam just simply puts... <laughs> <laughs> Well spotted, Rachel. Um, and get well soon. I know you're in the chat and you're not feeling well, but you did inboxes oh. that one. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, Christmas is coming, and uh, it shows this one. Uh, Alan McKenzie stuck for a stock fella this Christmas. Will this album keep seventeen going off under the number one album charts? I think not. Uh, now that's what we call. But well, you get the picture. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's been a, a horrendous week, really, for uh, the uh, the Conservative Party and our leader once again. And uh, we did have this as a lookalike, but I just thought it was relevant to follow after that. Benny and yeah. Boris, or is it Boris and Benny? Uh, yes, Benny Hill cool. and uh, Boris as uh, on his police oh, raid yeah. there. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good one. Yeah. Uh, another one from Newcastle United. It's in the blood. Uh, they 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 love to uh, give us a hand promoting the show on Facebook. So thank you to them. And uh, just that lovely shot. I saw a lot of the Madam Pearson, as we know, uh, quite prolific these days on YouTube and on uh, Twitter. Had posted a fantastic photo uh, going into the director's box stairs uh, with a sign behind him. But that's that's just great. Just looking around and seeing there uh, no sports direct whatsoever. Uh, already had that one. Uh, Boris Johnson has denied today that wife Carrie Simmons has given birth. He said this afternoon, to the best of my knowledge, there was no baby. There will be an inquiry. So if it turns out not to be the case, then questions will be asked. <laughs> Fellow thespian, <laughs> Davy, Davy Nellis getting his point across. Um, and I did like this one. Whilst working late one evening before Christmas, myself and several hundred conservative colleagues became trapped in a function room with nothing to survive on but alcoholic drinks. I also broke the button on the room stereo device and was unable to switch off the Christmas music. That's basically what Twitter has been full of this week. Political, political satire, p political humour, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, and a little bit of Newcastle United uh, thrown into boot. Yep. Thanks for all your suggestions. Keep them coming. Send them to me, Steve, Mitch, Joe, um, or Andrea, and uh, we will try and get them on next week. But that is your Tweet of the Week. <laughs> So yeah, Mitch, getting back to Michael Emanalu. I mean, it's you know, it, we're not we're not going to be rushing this, are we? You know, we've spoke about it a few times on the show, but it does appear that we are are, are looking at, at different candidates and and we'll make the right decision, like they did with Eddie Howe. They took their time. Yeah, tell you what, my personal take on it is, I suspect to see enough in what Eddie Howe's put to them when he's coming as manager at the say, right, let's run with this to the end of the season because this is this is what we've got to work with. And what that does, it buys, out, buys time to go down the right route for director of football, sporting director, whichever one you want to call it, whatever role it is that I actually decide on, and get a, get a CEO in place who knows your stuff and can help organise it all. That's just a personal take on it, but that's what it feels like to me. Is that you know how apparently how's presentation was was absolutely knockout, 
and included sort of things like transfer targets and ways to improve the squad going forward in January in a really important critical window, which actually chucking extra people into that process at this time might actually be counterproductive and end up with, you know, paralysis by analysis. Um, there is another whisper that we've, we've heard that, you know, that they may be thinking left field or wow factor for um, for an appointment at the sort of director of football level, um, whether they're going to go with somebody familiar, very familiar, or whether they're going to do something slightly out, outside of the box that we aren't expecting. Um, either way, like Steve said earlier, the, the messages we've all had, Stu as well from some of his contacts, saying that inside the club, everybody's up for it, everybody's bouncing, everybody feels that everything's headed in the right direction. And so now may not be the time to rock the boat by chucking an extra appointment into the mix while everything's going okay and everybody feels good about it because that extra extra chef in the kitchen might just be the one that actually spoils the ingredients a bit. So, um, But again, it comes back to the press saying, oh, well, he's turned them down and there's this, that and the other. No, you can have a discussion about where you're going to go with something. You can have a discussion about the potential role and sit down and plan things out. And certainly Emanalo seems to have had a vision that he wanted to run with that didn't sit with where the club wanted to go. Yet he's such an interesting and influential individual. You, Why wouldn't you spend time to talk it through to say, right, is there somewhere we can work together on this or somewhere we can meet in the middle? And then end up and say, right, let's agree to disagree. Um, but then as ever within the press, you've got agents and people who are connected to some of these individuals who want to paint a certain picture. I think Unai Emery, for example, during the managerial appointment, was never offered a job, yet it made out, was made out by his people, via people like Ian Balligate, to, to come out and say, well, they've done this and this is a shambles and this is terrible, because that's the spin everybody wants to put on it at the moment. The spin everybody wants to put on it is that, um, you know, the, the decision-making between PIF and PCP is, is clunky and cumbersome. The spin they want to put on it is that there's um, somebody's got a big head and wants to run away with it and is doing things that they're not capable of doing. Um, and they want to paint everything bleak and negative and, and that it's all rubbish. War betide that will actually start to get a few things right and start to win a few games. That might really upset the press, and God knows what they'll come out with after that. Um, but to say, to come out and just flatly say, "Well, he's turned them down," is is factually incorrect. And so I'm I'm not surprised to see Maydad come out fighting while he's got an ability to actually do that, and while he's got an ability to sit down in social media and say, "Right, this is incorrect. Get your facts right, lads, if you want to report it." Um, and that's it. I mean, he could have gone further, and I'm kind of glad he didn't, because there's no point in getting then getting involved in a war of words about he said, she said, and he turned this down, and he didn't didn't do this. Just to turn round and succinctly say, "Bam, that was never done," and leave it at that. Um, so yeah, that's useful. Yeah, definitely is. Uh, I've got to say, um, I, I didn't realise we were such big influencers until somebody sent us this on uh, social media today. Uh, Newcastle United's official channel uh, now calling Joe Linton J7. Hold on a minute. We came up with that. 
Steve, what's going we on? We did. I think John from Qtex just spat his coffee out all over the table, no doubt, when he saw that. Because yes, exactly, it came. It came from here, and I, you know, who's to say we're not influential, Steve, in our own little circle? <laughs> uh, it's interesting. It's just interesting to see. I'll just, I'll just say, just say two words. Hashtag can't. <laughs> Hashtag can't. I yeah. look fair play uh, the Newcastle for taking that on board. Um, I'm not sure where we stand with uh, copyright, etc., John, but you'll have to uh, find out on that score. <laughs> only joking, Newcastle. Only joking. Um, but yeah, hey, great, great to see. I mean, the idea behind it, of course, was simple. Really, um, you know, trying to give him, trying to give him another name um, and and take the pressure off him. You know, especially with him getting that number nine shirt taken off him. And uh, he certainly he certainly changed, Steve. He's been a lot better these last few games under Eddie Howe's guidance, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a, a totally different player to the one we've seen for the last two years. It's unbelievable. The the the, the this complete sea change in in how fit he looks, how stronger he looks. How more determined he looks, and how more interested in the game he seems to be, and it's 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 amazing, isn't it, that the turnaround not just in in him, but it it's shown that if you're willing to put the graft in, Newcastle fans will be straight in with you, straight in to support you, because that's all we wanted. I mean, that, that you look at that thing, it, all it said on that on that banner that that hung there for. That, that was portrayed, you know, we want a team that tries. And we're seeing Joe Lynch putting 110% in. Um, and it's coming off for him. We cannot, you cannot knock the kid for his attitude. And well, well done. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, I understand that he's been he's been doing extra training sessions. He's brought in a, a, his own fitness guy who's been able to, to video him and, and see where he's going wrong and see what they can do, what, what area of his game needed strengthening. Um, and then look from a physical point of view what how you would go about making sure that your body can actually withstand that extra physicality that you're looking for in terms of building up and nourishing yourself and and you know training yourself up. Um, fantastic! It's not like you, well, I don't know. Maybe there is also an element of a little bit of coaching that's come in. Maybe he's suddenly twigged on. Maybe maybe somebody's actually said, well, you know what? If if when you get the ball like that, if you're just standing a little. You know, a little to the left or a little to the right, or if you if you drop your shoulder like that, you might find that positionally you can you can turn that little bit quicker. And it might be just little things like that also that have that have boosted his confidence because people are talking to him. He's getting the opportunity to talk to other people. People are talking to him and coaxing him and coaching him. And uh, I think if 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 we use that word coaching, I think that was the point that Mitch and many many other people over the last God knows how many months have said. The lack of coaching within that squad, and it's that extra one two percent that it can bring out when you've got a good coach and you players have confidence in the tactics that are being employed by that coach. Um, that's what it's all about. Yeah. What is, was um... the word in that? What was the word that in that communication we got today about Joel Linton in training? And the word was untouchable. Untouchable. That's what it says. It also says that about Almiron as well, by the way. <laughs> and that's and that's yeah. That that that's a significant word to come from people in football. Yeah. Really. Yeah. No, when definitely. It yeah. To, when it comes from your peers as well, when mm. your peers yes. are using that word, when when your when your colleagues are saying that people within, you know, people that, that are around you all the time and they're 
that boosts their comms. That, that let's say that let, you use those three players as an example: Joe Linton, Alan St. Maximum, and Almiron, and other members of the squad feel as though that those lads are now untouchable. And that boosts the confidence because they know that when the ball goes to those players, that there's something special that those players can do. And so there's the willingness to graft and to, to blend in and be part of that of that sort of little well, ability that they've got, you know, to, to put themselves... And, and, and to do the dirty work because yeah. they'll be then seeing, right, get the ball to them because what have they been like this week? Yeah. Let them do the magic. On you go. You know, and, and so then if you've got that going on within the squad, with you can then find a way to say, for example, if St Maximum isn't doing the work rate that he should be, you can carry that because other people are prepared to do it because what they're seeing, what these guys are doing in training, and it builds confidence throughout the whole squad. Yeah, no, it is. It definitely is. It's great to see him on the on you know on the up though, and uh, can only be a benefit to the team. That's for certain. NUFC three nine twenty says, can he go through the email declaration more than once? As I've got multiple tickets for family members that don't receive emails. Um, it's a great question, which I don't have the answer to. Um, you, you, no. Again, there's a, there is an email there, um, which I would suggest you you get onto on that on your declaration. Because I think it says if you have any issues, there's an email there. I would email that one because that would be a specific department that will be dealing with that. I would have thought. So, um, yeah. if you don't get any joy, give us a shout back. Nufc three nine twenty. Um, drop us a message on one of his socials or Steve. Uh, we do have a contact at the ticket office who could probably help if if that's still an issue for you when the Man City game comes along. Um, and I'm more more than happy to ring up on your behalf if you're struggling still. Uh, Kirk1999 says the sponsorship thing is not legal. The Competition Act 1998 highlights associations of undertakings. Can it restrict or distort trade in the UK? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get bogged down in this when Ben does come on. But yeah, I mean, look, this is something which I know has been suggested and is getting mentioned. And, you know, but there's going to come a time when they're just going to stop. And it will happen, I think. And I think January will be a key month for us as far as moving on from this whole um, anti-Saudi takeover agenda. Because I think they've got to give up the ghost. The club's gone they've gone through the process now. We're owned by PIF, Amanda, Mia Dad and Jamie Rubin. And I'm afraid it's it's all it's all gone through now. Um, the only thing they can do now is essentially stop a similar kind of takeover going through by changing the goalposts again. And you're nodding your head, Mitch, but it's true, isn't it? Yeah, right. Absolutely right. I mean, look, at I'll give you an example in the, in the British media today. Okay? British media today. BBC ran a, a, a story about um, uh, the French uh, immigration arrested a Saudi gentleman who had the same name as one of the people on the Interpol Most Wanted list in connection with the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. And he had the same minute name, similar date of birth, born in the same town, apparently bore a physical resemblance to him as well. And he was held by the French and eventually released. And in the middle of all that story, Nicassian United get a mention. Where are we relevant in that? Really? What is the, what is the point of adding Nicassian United into that story? other than to keep having a dig and to keep having a go and to keep setting an agenda. 
And this, this is what we discussed way back when we first used the word geopolitics and about how complex it would be and how much more complex it would be once it takes over way through. And it's playing out exactly as we said it would. It doesn't surprise me one little bit. It doesn't surprise me the media outlets that continue to do it. The Daily Mail have an interesting crusade on Dubai at the moment. Um, running some story today about some media reality star getting stopped because she had some sort of uh, personal pleasuring device in her luggage and nearly got arrested at the airport. That doesn't get you arrested at the airport. They just take it off you. If you're unlucky, it doesn't get you arrested. What would get you arrested, though, is if you were drunk and aggressive and they had a go at the immigration officer who was taking it off you. That would get you arrested. <laughs> it's, it, it's like the... It's like the last who tried to bring a load of Botox in and was travelling in on the wrong passport uh, to come and do Botox parties off of Facebook. What you actually got arrested for was travelled on the wrong passport, didn't have visa and slapped the immigration officer. You know, this is the reality, you know? And, and, and all these stories get twisted like that. And then that's what's happening with us. It's, it's lazy and very easy to chuck Newcastle United into any story that's negative about Saudi. And, you know, and even even one where they get a chance to talk about, well, the French have done this, but actually they made a mistake. That's all they should have really said in the report. Why why drag on about Newcastle United in that? It's ridiculous. And, and it, will, it will settle down eventually. And, and the Premier League have been scrambling, and you can see they've been scrambling for a number of different reasons, and also tied in with the the the, 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 the cat case and what could have come out in that and what would have absolutely destroyed some of them. There's a number of different angles that have been going on all at the same time and they've handled the whole thing appallingly. And they're getting a little bit of a bump off their friends in the media because it's easy and lazy to attack and attach Nicassi United to any negative Saudi story you can find. Yeah, it's just lazy, man. Absolutely lazy. That's all it is. And it's really, really getting uh, getting on my wick now. But it will die down 100%. Okay, before we bring uh, Ben onto the show tonight and to, to look ahead to uh, this weekend's game, uh, we will uh, have, have another one of our sections. Could have done without that music, like I'm gonna to have to get Neil to change that. Uh, okay, the day I met, way we'll get you to send in photographs of uh, the day you met a hero, uh, somebody from the club, whether it's a manager, a player, or whatever. Uh, Neil sent this one in. Uh, Frank Clark yeah. looks like he's in the back page shop there. Uh, Frank yeah. looking rather yeah. well, of course, Newcastle United legend and uh, revered in Nottingham Forest as well. Uh, after Newcastle, of course, sold him, um, saying that he was past his best. Of course, he then went, went on to win two yeah. two European yeah. Cups he in the league. Free, Steve. I think he went on a free. He Even did, more, I. Them. <laughs> Newcastle's always been great. Uh, Paul sent this one, uh, pre-season in Dublin a couple of years ago. Hashtag Baldy United, he's put. Nice so, uh, there he is with uh, John good, Joe. Paul. And uh, our last one for this week is this one from Fletch. He goes, this is a picture of my cousin who had cancer at the time, meeting the players before the game. He was invited to the match as a special guest. 
by Sir Bobby Robson. And uh, some great photo, uh, that one. Uh, Aaron Hughes on there. I think it's Kevin Gallagher, Alan Shearer, yeah. Gary Speed, Rob Lee, and Steve Hartman. Steve Hartman, yeah. Ah, yeah. Great photo. That's a one for the memory books, that Fletch. And uh, thank you for sending that in. As always, the DI Met, get your photos over to us. Usual place, me, Steve, or Mitch, or Joe on Twitter. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, uh, I'm going to bring in our guest uh, tonight, and it's uh, a very good evening uh, to Ben Jacobs. How are you, Ben? Evening, gents. How are you? I'm going to begin, Steve, by standing up, because in breaking news, which you may not be able to see from this particular angle, a little something was picked up from Leicester from many months ago in the post. So I thought I'd wear it for tonight's show. I finally got back and it was waiting for me. So I just want to start by saying thank you very much for that wonderful T-shirt. I will wear it with pride. Fantastic, <laughs> Ben. That's brilliant, mate. And um, I'm going to ask you a simple question, Ben. I just want a simple answer. Um, ben, what is your full name? Benjamin David Jacobs. Perfect. That just that's really knocked everybody in the in the chat because for the first hour everybody's been having a sweepstake on um, how long your first answer is going to be to the question. <laughs> you know what? You know what that is. That is the equivalent of a kickoff and the ball going straight out into going straight out. That is that is controversy like I've never known, Mister Ray. It feels a little bit fixed by oh. Steve there, a la Matt Letizia, as you say when he kicked the ball out of play. <laughs> in his book actually didn't he he's so nervous that he under hit it and the ball didn't go out and then he panicked and finally it went out and i think he still ended up winning whatever matchbooks bet that he'd placed but yeah i thought you were going in a different direction i thought you were trying to get a middle name because obviously if you take the middle name out as i found every day at school when i was bullied put the benjamin and the jacobs into initials and you get something very rude and that was my nickname for the first decade or so of my life <laughs> Well, the time has come. Here we are, Newcastle, travelling to Leicester. Um, that's if it goes ahead, Ben. Um, any inside information yet as to whether this game is going to go ahead? Because your team has been hit with, and, and training staff have been hit with COVID. It's worrying, isn't it, as you say? And I've spoken to the club on a number of occasions over the last 48 hours or so. The feeling is, is that they're doing everything possible to try and get the game to go ahead. They're not quite at the situation of Tottenham, who have upwards now of 19 staff and players affected by the virus, and then you've potentially got others on top who are not positive but are going to have to isolate. Leicester are in double figures as far as positive tests are concerned. Not all of them are players, and they're hoping that the time between their Europa League game and Sunday will allow for some recovery. And also the fact that they obviously took one squad out to Napoli and there's a range of other players that they can bring in who weren't part of that particular European fixture. So there is some physical separation as well. So Leicester are not sort of going to shirk away just because they're lacking in numbers potentially. But if the situation gets worse over the next 24 hours, they, like Norwich, who are in the same position at the moment and Tottenham will have no 
choice but call off the game. But right now, the intent is to play it. There's no suggestion that the current round of tests have put Leicester in a position where they are going to be unable to field a first-team squad. It might be a little bit different, but as I say, as COVID sweeps through the squad, unfortunately, that does also include backroom staff and wider support staff as well. But the key sort of period now is the testing that took place today and tomorrow, because if that shows that numbers are escalating rather than decreasing, then unfortunately, yes, there is a very real danger that this game could be called off. And I think the other thing is just that the club will be conscious, as will the Premier League, that it's Newcastle United. So it's a long, long journey for away supporters. So hopefully, even if we hypothetically got Sunday morning and the game could be played, you don't want to leave it that late, really, because it's very unfair on the visiting side because of the sheer geography that they and the fans have got to travel. So hopefully, Leicester and the Premier League, as well as with collaboration um, with Newcastle, will be able to sort of talk more tomorrow morning and make a definitive decision. Otherwise, there is a danger that those fans will set off on the long journey to the East Midlands and find themselves disappointed. Yeah, let's hope not. OK, I'm going to bring in slightly earlier um, than, than than usual. I'm going to bring in Toon's Tipster because uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a Leicester fan on. I know you're setting clubs and Newcastle, uh, Newcastle as well, but uh, you, you can give us a great insight into Leicester. So let's bring on uh, Toon Tipster first. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Evening, gentlemen. Evening, Joe. I was expecting to come on five minutes ago there when you said you had a special guest. I thought it was me. I was getting all ready. <laughs> Evening, Mr. Jacobs. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. So, here we go. Another week of mixed emotions around our beloved club. We got our elusive first win at last only for the euphoria to be quickly deflated by this new lot's insistence on returning St. James's Park back to its drab, colourless, grey look. It's really starting to feel like they're trying to rob us of our illustrious recent history, and I, for one, will miss the famous red and blue of Newcastle United. God bless you, Mr Ashley. After the game, I called into the berry for a quiet pint with my mate, Mr. Hasty. We'll only have one, he said. Anyway, about half ten and three missed trains later, I ended up being part of a Millie Vanilli tribute act with Q-Tip. Now, I must warn you, there is footage of this out there, so I want to apologise publicly to our mum in case she sees it on YouTube. Honestly... That lad's reputation went downhill faster than Decker Heggies that night. Although I have no doubt he'll be sat watching this whilst printing 10,000 copies of it to sell on his website as a nice little stocking filler for Christmas. Got to put our website address up there, Steve. <laughs> anyway, speaking of YouTube sensations, I can't wait to see my hero online tonight at nine o'clock. Apparently he's going eyeball to eyeballs with his long-term nemesis to finally put to bed a long-standing feud in which one party 
is a ridiculous Walter Mitty pantomime villain. And the other one's just a nice fella who hangs about in his shed all day. Anyway, quickly moving on to the match on Sunday. A decent book is here, and it's not to be sneezed at. Literally. Especially if Leicester's injury excuses are anything to go by. Unsurprisingly, the Foxes are four to six clear favourites. 15 to four for the away win. And the best I could come up with is a tasty looking draw at three to one, especially with Leicester's injury difficulties. Goals are fancied at four to seven for the over 2.5 and 11 to eight if you think there'll be fewer than that. Both teams to score is well fancied at four to seven. 1 0 Newcastle, 16 to 1. 2 1, 14 to 1. 1 0 Leicester, 10 to 1. 2 1 Leicester, 8 to 1. And for those of you who fancy the draw, 0 0, 16 to 1. 1 1, 8 to 1. And 2 2, 14 to 1. Steptoe, his favourite to score any time at just under evens, followed by Callum Wilson at 13 to 10. There's a big raft of foxes following after that, including Iose Perez, who's 2-1 to one to score against us. Our lot, like they do every week, come in at 3-1, to one, including Joe Willock, who looks like he's absolutely desperate for a goal. In terms of the food bank, Mr Hasty, another goalkeeping wonder show helped us uh, out on to, to get the cash on Saturday. Although, in fairness, what a finish that was by Callum Wilson. Absolutely superb. So we've got 85 quid in the pot and hopefully we can get it to 100 before Christmas with another 11.50 to be had if he scores on Sunday. And in terms of the tune tickle, Ben, which is just a bet that never, ever wins, I'd like to personally thank Sunderland for knacking our 6-1 to one Northeast treble last <laughs> week. This week, I'm going back to the Premier League. All nine games, including tonight's in the Premier League, to have 1.5 goals in them this weekend, 5.5 to 1. Please, please gamble responsibly. Don't ever chase your losses. And thank you, gentlemen. Great stuff, Joe. Uh, we'll find out what Toon has got to say about the game now. Hello, amigos. Leicester on Sunday after finally getting our first win of the season last weekend. And the trend is good. Actually, Newcastle has won three out of the last four games at King Power Stadium. Of course, knowing my luck, I was live there at the stadium for our 5-0 loss in 2019 in what must have been the worst performance under Steve Bruce that I remember. We also won the last game there in, in May. 4-2 when Callum Wilson and Joe Willock in particular had an outstanding game. But Newcastle hasn't won back-to-back -back game against Leicester since 2014. A funny stat is that there's no draw between the two sides in the past 13 games, which uh, with uh, Leicester winning 8 and uh, Newcastle winning the other 5. Total played games in the Premier League are 28, with uh, Newcastle having won 12 and Leicester having won 11, so it's a pretty even contest. Funny stat is that Leicester, since their return to the top flight in 2014, have won more games against Newcastle than against any other opposition. And uh, 
Eddie Howe is still looking for his first win in Leicester as a manager with nine games against them and uh, drawing four, losing the other five. I feel optimistic about Sunday, guys. All the best. See you. Bye. Great stuff. He feels optimistic. Um, and so do I, to be honest. But we'll, we'll come to predictions and that later. OK, Steve Hasty, uh, we'll come to you first. Um, just looking ahead to the game at the weekend. Um, you've heard Joe's predictions. You've heard what uh, Toon Stato's got to say. What's your take on this? This is this is another game I feel. Even, even with Leicester at full strength, I still felt we could go down there. It's been a happy hunting ground for us. Yeah, I mean, I, I must admit that that ex, that's exactly what I was thinking, Steve. Uh, I, I, it's always a good game against Leicester, and and go back way, way back, you know, back in the nineties, you know, when Emil Heskey was there, and 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 players like that, and there was all there was always excellent football, and, and you knew you were going to get you're going to be involved in a decent game, um, but. <sighs> It's just you know that it's going to be an attacking game. You know both sides are going to get opportunities. Um, I think if I heard a stat there, I don't think that that uh, the Toon Stato mentioned was about the the fact that Leicester seemed to be always leaking two goals at a time at the moment, uh, which I found uh, quite startling because I always considered that the defence to be a fairly strong aspect of of the team. Um, but when I looked at it and looked a little bit deeper, and I saw, yeah, they are they are letting goals in and. Uh, as soon as I, as soon as I look at it, I, I then see you, you let the let three in last night, um, and I'm sure that Ben's going to come on to the the European game and and, and how that might have zapped them. I'm hoping it has taken a little bit out of them. We all know that what Newcastle were like when they played in Europe on a Thursday night and then had a game on a Sunday. We never really really uh, got kick started, especially in a two o'clock kickoff on a Sunday. Um, so. All of this, all the signals that we're getting seem to seem to be pointing towards some positivity from our angle rather than from the Leicester side. And obviously, they've now got the concerns over over COVID and whether any more of the first team squad uh, are going to be affected. Uh, I just think it's going to be a really, really good game. I'm hoping, it, obviously, hoping that it happens. But uh, I, th- I think that uh, we're going to we're going to see. Because we are, we're resurgent, aren't we? We've had a win, you know, we're on a roll now. I mean, that was what we mentioned at the start, you know. We're on a roll of one win. <laughs> so let's get our second and that's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're hoping. And uh, if we get another win, I think that that the, the momentum starts to pick up. We know the confidence levels will be there. And I think then there can be a couple of surprises, that a surprise results in our, in our forthcoming games after Leicester um, because we have got a dodgy run-in. So I'm looking forward to the game, uh, looking forward to see um, how Leicester perform, looking forward to see how, more importantly, Newcastle perform. And uh, I'm expecting it to be the same team. Uh, uh, and I'm sure we'll get onto that later on. Yeah, Mitch. What about you? I mean, it's uh, it's a game, as I say, you know, that we look at quite often and think we might get something from this. And I guess the COVID outbreak at Leicester, you know, is giving us a little bit more confidence as well. It, it does. It adds an extra question mark as to who's available, what kind of formation is going to turn out, how they're going to approach the game. But like Steve, I think the thing that was on my mind that was more significant about this weekend is the the Thursday Sunday thing. I've seen it affect so many teams. It throws so many teams out of sync. It, 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 it's where you almost don't want to be in one of the, the junior European competitions because it makes such a messy season. And and it does seem to throw people out of sync and it does seem to chuck um, curveballs at, at squads and throw results up at the weekend. That shouldn't happen. 
and, and there's, there's not just us who's been affected by it. There's many other teams who've dropped into those um, lower or, or the, the now two lower uh, European competitions and just would almost rather not be there. Uh, like I said at the start of the show, I found uh, uh, Rogers' comments post-match yesterday about not even really knowing what the Europa Conference League was all about and who was in it quite startling, really, for a, for a manager to sort of come out with that was a was was surprising to me. And so, yeah, I think that's of more significance than COVID at the moment. The COVID is is almost a side short of that. Um, but the, so for me, we've got to go there with the momentum we've already gotten. Look, again, more momentum, like Steve says. And and if what we're hearing coming off the training ground is that certain individuals are genuinely working at a very different level at the moment, we've got to try and take advantage of it. But for me, always like every away game, um, I, I take the starting position of not being beat, and then seeing if we can anything extra to that is always a bonus for me. And, and but I think to have another win on the back of the Burnley game would give some fantastic momentum to almost allow we to say, right, going into this, this tricky set of fixtures over Christmas, we've got now to lose. What's the worst that can happen? You know, and, and and that's a fantastic position to be in and I would love to see we be able to capitalise on that and I hope we can. Yeah, okay, Joe, um you know, you give us the stats there, you give us the yeah, the betting odds, but um, you know, what's your what's your view on this game at the weekend? I think clearly, Steve, we're not fancied. The bookies are telling us that, you know. Um, but I think like like Mitch and, and Steve have alluded to, I think from my perspective, we've waited that long for this win. Um, I thought it was going to come at least a month ago, but we finally got there. So now it's about pushing on. So we've been expecting a reaction to the takeover. We've been expecting a reaction to Bruce going, how come in, et cetera, et cetera. But now we're expecting a reaction to say, okay, the monkey's off the back. We've got the result. I actually thought we played relatively well. Um, we still look a little bit anxious, and I don't know whether that's just the way we were set up, but we weren't marauding forward. And I think last week, if you remember, I was expecting us to score three and four goals. Um, you know, I don't know whether that, that removing that nervousness and that, you know, as I say, that monkey will actually help us. Um, looking at the fixtures, we didn't get the result that we that we really, really needed and wanted against Norwich. We did against Burnley with the greatest of respect, Ben. And and, and I'll be honest, Leicester City are my second favourite side at the moment in the Premier League. Um, but, uh, but for me, I just think looking at the upcoming fixtures, particularly the two Manchester sides, Liverpool, etc., this is another game where if we can get a point, I agree with Mitch, we're starting with a point. If we can get something out of this game, I'll feel a hell of a lot better. So, you know, I do feel sorry for them in terms of the COVID outbreak, but then it's about time we had a bit of luck. You know, we've had two VAR shouts in the last two matches. We've had two goalkeepers uh, doing us a little bit of a favour. So, you know, bring it on. Let's be confident. There's nothing that I haven't seen that, that you know, there's nothing that I've seen that makes me panic. Um, I think if we'd have been playing Leicester City three months ago, God knows what it were, you know, it'd have been a cricket score, but bring it on. Why not? Give the ball to J7 and we'll win 5 0. <laughs> ben, first of all, Leicester, um, sitting in 11th place at the minute. Has this been a disappointing season so far for the Foxes? It's been an inconsistent season for sure. You can kind of look at it in the perspective of the last three seasons and say that. 
we should be building towards Champions League football, but other teams have come into the mix. And, you know, you can retrospectively make an argument that Leicester were kind of punching above their weight as well. And when you miss out on Champions League football in back-to-back seasons, you also miss out on the spending power, not just in terms of the income that you're going to bring in, but the lure of bringing players to Leicester. And Newcastle will obviously find the opposite if they qualify for European football again over the next two or three seasons, that it's that calibre of players that you can bring in almost instantly to kind of build and strengthen. So they've taken a step back, undoubtedly, because they failed to qualify for the Champions League in those back-to-back seasons. Not much has really changed, though, on the field, other than a little bit leakier at the back and slightly less clinical in the final third. So against Napoli last night, James Madison, Mr Sitter, Jamie Vardy, could have scored as well. They're not quite taking the chances that they were putting away with regularity over the course of the last two or three seasons. And yet, Jamie Vardy, even though he's still scoring goals, is perhaps not quite at his peak anymore. And then defensively, they've been a little bit unlucky, really, because they had a phenomenal defender who could get right up into the final third in Ricardo Pereira, And he got injured after really a standout first season since he joined the Foxes. And he's never been back to his best. Timothy Castagna, who plays in a similar fullback position, has been inconsistent since joining Leicester. Johnny Evans has been good. Fafana's out the side. That's a massive loss. Sionchi played against Napoli and looks very, very shaky. So they're lacking a bit of depth. They're lacking a bit of defensive discipline, which I think, as Steve alluded to, is very surprising for a Leicester City side, at least over recent seasons. But generally speaking, it's the same kind of squad with the same type of weapons. They're just not clicking. And therefore, when we look ahead to Sunday, yes, a COVID outbreak takes away that kind of squad depth, potentially. But you look at the side who played against Napoli on Thursday and you work on the assumption, as per the UEFA rules, that at the time of that game, they were all COVID negative. And if they are now COVID positive, the football club probably don't know about it yet because they'd have been tested late last night and the results probably only coming back at some point today. So if everyone's fit and healthy, that will almost certainly be close to the Leicester starting lineup, which first of all means that because of COVID, Brendan Rodgers can't make a ton of changes. But then again, it also tells you that close to his strongest available 11 are still okay for the match because due to the significance of Napoli and Leicester needing to qualify, he was never going to make a ton of changes in that game. So it's not like that's a second string Leicester team that went out and lost to Napoli and Rodgers would have liked to bring in lots of senior players for Newcastle that unfortunately have got COVID. Anyone you see on that Napoli team sheet effectively is a fit top first choice Leicester City player. So when you look at the starting 11, it's likely to be the same. And that means that at the moment anyway, unless something changes. Schmeichel is fit. Evans is fit. Tielemans is back in the side. Madison, Barnes, Vardy. So there's a spine of a team there that can do a lot of damage against Newcastle United unless anything on the COVID front changes. But as I say, the problem with Leicester is just they're conceding far too many goals at the back. And when they get those big, big chances that they were putting away with their eyes shut over the course of the last two or three seasons, now not everything that was going in is finding the back of the net. Obviously, you're watching Newcastle uh, from a distance. What have you made of Newcastle since Eddie Howe took over? I think what's apparent is there's a plan and a strategy. 
And even when they hit a bit of a purple patch under Steve Bruce and got themselves out of trouble, you still kind of felt two things. First of all, that every game they were setting up to react to their opposition. They weren't trying to impose themselves on games. They weren't trying to bring a style of football. They were setting themselves up differently in different games to try and mitigate their opponents, which effectively is showing too much respect, even when you're near the bottom of the table. And that was the first thing I noted under Bruce. So when you got one good result, there was no confidence amongst the fan base that there was going to be another following it. It was always a chance it was going to be one step forwards and two steps back. And under Eddie Howe, I think there's that kind of optimism now that there's a plan. You can see that he wants to play with high energy. You can tell that the aim is to move the ball forwards quickly. You know they're going to be using Wilson as a focal point. And I think the Bruce conundrum, when he had a goal scorer like that, was forcing him to drop too deep in order just to have the ball or hold up the ball. And I think Howe is quite prepared to give him the freedom to play five to seven yards further forwards and that's going to put him in more goal scoring positions and Newcastle will I believe play with a lot more width and we'll see the defenders as kind of ball playing and even though you can't sort of say with Shah because it was a very random assist that there was too much rhyme or reason behind it I do think you'll find over time that players like that are more involved in attacking phases as Newcastle United start to score goals and then obviously a clean sheet against Burnley is very helpful as well and I think against Burnley it was a very savvy performance in the sense that they started getting sucked into Burnley's game. And for half an hour, it was a bit drab. And you thought, oh, no, this is going to be Norwich all over again. But they were intelligent and they adapted and they didn't let their energy levels drop. And I think the second thing we've learned under Howe is just the impact of the fan base. And, you know, that sounds quite general to say. And every football club feels like their fans have an impact. And we use the cliche 12th man. But Newcastle, when their fan base are really on song, haven't just got a 12th man, they've got a 13th and a 14th. And even how standing there in the dugout compared to Bournemouth, with all due respect to them, compared to Leicester, my own team even, I think when he's on that touchline at St. James's Park and it's rocking, he realises that he's never been in an environment like that. And under Ashley, the fan base was so fragmented and divided that even though it was loud, it was loud in different ways. It was vociferously loud. It was dangerously loud. It was passionately loud. It was loud because of protest. It was loud because of impatience. It was loud because of disillusionment. And then there was a smaller proportion, but still very vocal in its own way that was silent in the sense that they didn't want to be in and around the games. So they took their kind of voice elsewhere. And eventually that kind of amplified some, I think, of the takeover voice in the process and now that kind of fan base is a bit more as one everyone wants to be at St James's Park the more vocal fans the more diehard fans want to make all of those long away days that perhaps they weren't making before and that just kind of connects the football club again and we've not necessarily seen a direct result of that yeah, you beat Burnley, but that same kind of vocal fan base were there against Tottenham, were there when the takeover was announced as well. So we've not necessarily seen a long-term impact of that. But what I do think is that if you combine Howe's plan with his desire to attack, with the fan base roaring on that football team to attack, that for me is a winning formula, at least to get you out of relegation trouble. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just say, Steve, just to correct Ben, we were never fragmented as a fan base. We were 100% against Mike Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I know what you mean. But uh, yeah, great stuff, Ben. Great insight. Uh, we've got uh, half an hour to go. I've got to give a shout out to the sponsors as always. Big thank you to Spider VPN uh, for all your internet security. Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of the Google search. They are the boys to trust. Get your Spider VPN package today. Thanks also to skipsandbins.com. Telephone 0800 2545 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks also to LNG Family Funeral Directors 0191 3897245. And to the Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD, Hemp and Cannabinoid Specialists, www.thegohd.com. Thanks also to Chris, who's in the chat tonight from Arcot Interiors. They are based on uh, Heaton Road in Newcastle. Uh, you want a new kitchen, get yourself onto Arcot Interiors. They are the boys to trust as well. QTechShop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle. John is in the chat, one of our uh, admin as well. And he also runs our website, NUFCMatters.com. Thanks also to John at Jab, JabSignature.co.uk who makes our flyers. Get well soon, John, on your sick bed again, mate. Uh, get well soon. You work too hard, lad. And uh, if you want to subscribe to the channel, it's easy. Uh, we've got another 200 subscribers this week. Click the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner. And that's it. You can subscribe for free. We still do seven shows a week and a couple of extra as well. Hit the thumb up to like the video. It does help with the algorithm. Click share to share to other social media, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And drop into the comments box to speak to like-minded Newcastle fans. Big shout out to <clears throat> our admin in there, Rachel, Julie, John and Dave Harrison, who uh, keep the trolls at bay. And uh, also iTunes and Spotify and other podcast providers. Uh, the show is on there under uh, and UFC Matters podcast. You can usually pick that up uh, within um, an hour, uh, within 24 hours of the show being on. Uh, Got to say that John will be doing the draw as well. So um, if you uh, haven't entered, uh, you have missed out. Uh, we're giving away a PlayStation 5 and accessories tonight. Uh, John will be sending me that before the end of the programme. Uh, and because I'm off to Leicester, hopefully to have a, a quick jaw with Ben before the game as well and with a couple of the other guys uh, as well. Um, I've done a pre-recorded deal with Alan Thompson, former Newcastle player, um, to promote his book, A Geordie Boy, which is out. Of course, he made his name at Celtic and at Bolton, uh, but did play a few games at Newcastle United, was involved in a horrific car injury, of course, and uh, a, car, a car accident, and that curtailed his, uh, his time at Newcastle. But he won in games, uh, scored in a cup final in England and in Scotland. So there's a quiz question for you, if ever you wanted one. And actually, quite a quite an interesting career. Even got an England cap, which was something I learned today when I was doing the interview. But that, that'll go out Sunday, uh, Sunday night at six o'clock. Uh, if you want to catch up with a, another Newcastle player, it's the first time that Alan's been on the show, but it was a cracking interview. Good to uh, to chew the fat with him. Um, and it's time for, I guess, everybody's favourite section this, ours and the viewers. It is uh, to look like... Two lookalike, and uh, the first person in was Joe. With uh, this, who sent this in, Joe? Microwave Head. Microwave Head sent this in. Um, would you like, seeing as though this is you who've sent this in, who, who's who? I don't, the, well, the more I look at it, the more I just think they're all Mitch. Um, obviously, it's you. You win, son. I keep forgetting you're coming home soon. Well, top, um, right, top right is definitely hasty. Yeah. 
And then, so naturally, top left is you in your rightful position. Eh, that's Mitch is there. There's, there's me with my glasses on, look, looking all cute yeah. and cool. And there's Mitch with his hair done. Okay, uh, microwave head. I'm not sure about me there. Like, you're not I mean, convinced, Steve. Well, that just hasn't got. That's just got no resemblance to me. I mean, I, I think it's the best one yet. What's the What's the hair on the sides? The beard. <laughs> ah, that's your beard creeping up. Yeah. I'm gonna have to have a shave now. That, that's that's upsetting. <laughs> um, okay, uh, this one from Two Barmy Two. He goes, uh, Neil Harris looks more like Tracy Crouch. <laughs> It's not, quite, it's, not, it's not quite a like that one, but I know where you're coming from. Uh, this one, uh, people just chuck this in on a regular basis. Mr. Magoo is Borough Mag. <laughs> that was a delayed laugh in Australia. Um, he kept that okay. quiet, didn't he? <laughs> he did. Uh, do look alike. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang could play Cat in a remake of Red Dwarf. Danny John Jules. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Very good, that one. Very good. I can see Ben looking nervous in case he's got one here. Uh, and you have seen Iceman, Stuart Penman and um, Michael Van Gerwen. Been done before that, but yeah, it's always good to show. Um, this one was sent early on. Uh, Ian Hull said, uh, Toon lookalikey, the Toon tipster and Zebedee from the Magic Roundabout. Boing. <laughs> He's got a spring in his, he had a spring in his step the strawberry at half past ten last week, I bet. Yeah. Taking the mick out of my tash. It's took me three years to grow this. It has. I. Wayne Bennett, following last night's show, uh, he put in uh, Steve Hasty. And who's that guy? <laughs> uh, it, it might be Wayne. I don't know. Is that Leslie? <laughs> is that Le it looks like... Um, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. Hi, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, okay. Well, well it looked quite good. That's how many photos are on, on the internet of you. Uh, Soccer Saturday making a new Gremlins movie. That was harsh, that, John. That's harsh. That is really harsh. Um, yeah, this one. Uh, my, my podcast with Dominic Negus. Look like he's Steve Wraith interviewing himself. <laughs> Dominic will be over the moon with that. I had to slip this one in. Thanks, Alex. Is it just me, or do you look like David Beckham? Thanks, Alex. <laughs> You're on my Christmas card list. Uh, Sam Chipperfield leaked picture of Steve Hasty's new look. Sam, how are you, man? I think that's after uh, Christmas. You put a bit of weight oh, on. It gets worse, Steve. Steve <laughs> Mama, Mama Fratelli from the Goonies and Steve Hasty. <laughs> I hope you've got me response to Steve on that one. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> we, uh, as always, our friend Albert. It's December. The three Santas replace the three amigos. I'd love to know where he gets these bizarre photos of us guys. And I don't mean the fact that he's got us dressed as Santa. But why are we all looking as if we're on some kind of American gravestone? <laughs> right, that's that was Mitch, obviously. Right, that's me. Steve, right, where, that's where's me. this photo come? Are we? All, there's got to be a photograph out of there. It was all looking wistful. I know. What <laughs> is that? <laughs> anyway, thanks, Albert. That was probably the most sensible one you've sent all year. Uh, Colour Coat says um, Mitch looks like Miller Tant <laughs> from Viz. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good one, actually. I'm sure I've had that one before as well. Uh, I love this one from Junior Turner. Um, it's pretty good, that. I'm not sure who the other guy is, but that's Lee Clark on the left. Um, but, yeah, good one. It is a good look like you. That's more more the kind of thing we're looking for. Tom McGuire says, anybody else just see it or me? I do see that. 
I've seen mm. that. If he shaved his head, shaved his hair off. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna say that. It's definitely yeah. in the look. It's definitely in the look. Uh this one was from Arnold, Eden Hazard, and Nick Jonas. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See a little, that bit of, little bit of a resemblance there. Uh this one from Alan McKenzie. <laughs> oh, that, that is good. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. That is yeah. good. Ben liked that one. Um, mm. Yeah, there's some, there's some pretty good ones. We'll get some weird ones. Oh, that we've already had that one. Uh, this one was from Tom Dixon, who loves putting Voldemort in with John Joe Shelby. Uh, that's a new one, though. Callum Wilson and Jermaine Defoe. Uh, I think Tom's stretching that one a little bit, mind. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I would agree. It's um, it, it's a little bit. There's a little similarity to the eyes, I guess. But the head, yeah. the the high brow, isn't it as well? It's the high brow that he's looking at. Yeah, tune balmy. Sorry, I forgot this one. He says, "What about my Lascelles?" <laughs> yeah, that's got to look at John Joe uh, of of, of um, Lascelles. Sorry, yeah, uh, this one uh, from Murphy, Carl Frampton, and Leipzig's Conrad Lehmer. <laughs> Well, yeah. I can I... again. It's a, it's a debatable one. It's not. It's not anywhere near the top. Two look alike. Either bloke off you and cry and Ian Dowie. <laughs> <laughs> Classic reference that is. Uh, the bloke <laughs> off you and cry. Yeah, it doesn't have the name. Just the bloke <laughs> off you and cry. Uh, Doctor Squat Pump said, uh, "Steve Wraith and Ben Jacobs working together on season eight of Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen." <laughs> I can see that one. I tell you now, there's no chance of me ever being on a programme like that. They don't do beans on toast. Uh, Alan McKenzie says, Mitch and Biffa are one in the same. <laughs> Biffa Bacon, of course. A couple of, his, couple of his references. Uh, Andrew Malloy said, uh, sent this one. <laughs> Chris Eubank replying to somebody who said this, stop sending me this shit. <laughs> <laughs> he would have said it very politely, though. There's a lot of people that's... there. There's a lot of people sending these uh, Ninja Turtles to people, I think, as well. That's, it is quite funny. Uh, Ian had sent this one as well. Um, he says it's a normal one this time. Jose Enrique and Paddy McGuinness. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Yep, yeah, good one. Um, okay, third place. Oh, no, fourth place. Chris Chris A from America sent this one. Ben, who's that? It's Ben. Yeah, who is that? <laughs> who is it? No idea. He's very good looking. Chris Hale will have to tell us. Chris Hale will have to tell us. I'm sure he's in the chat tonight, but there we go. There, he's, he's got you in. Um, in third place, John from QTech and a load of others sent this one in. Good to see yeah. Alan Shearer has been involved from day one. So that's from the very first photograph of Newcastle United's team. And the guy does look the spitting dabs of Alan, by the way. Um, yeah. Holly, after being uh, mentioned on uh, Lookalikes, uh, reminded me that she'd sent me one of me a couple of weeks ago after going through some old documentaries and found a young Steve Wraith on a programme in the 1990s. And she's compared me to uh, Ant. <laughs> she needs to get a telly scene, though, doesn't she? Dear. Yeah. Well, I think it's just the fact I've got hair. Maybe so that's it. Oh. The winner this week, I'm sure you've all seen it on social media, was this one uh, from Lee Errington. Can he, can he yeah. look alike of Rafa? Uh, the pressure of managing Everton seems to have got to him uh, as he's lying unconscious on a train going back. Lee, that was uh, the winner this week. Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Keep them coming in. We'll never get sick of them. There's always some good ones. There's always some bad ones. But keep them coming. That's your two look alike for this week.
Yes, lots of uh, lots of those coming in, and uh, I, I usually get hit usually massively on a Friday and a Saturday with them. Um, how much did the Beckham comment cost? Says Ryan. Yeah, quite a few quid, mate. After that uh, monkey thing that uh, that Joe sent to us, that's definitely. <laughs> um, okay, let's go to the comments. Uh, we've got about uh, twenty minutes left. I want to see Newcastle United make Leicester have to play out of their skin to beat us, and anyone else we play, I think we can and will. Good luck, lads. If the game goes ahead. Uh, Jason says we should have been six points better off than we are. We're due to batter someone, um, which you know I, I'd love to think you were right, but um, I think we've got a long way to go. I think before we batter anybody, certainly Leicester uh, away. Uh, Alan Thompson says thanks, Ben. I think the fans are so important for the rest of the season. Bringing the fans and players together has been great. By how yeah, I saw his press conference today, and he was bigging up the fans uh, once again. Ryan says, uh, are you on the Honest Truth podcast tonight? Yes, I am, Ryan. I will be doing that tonight. I'm doing Androgyland's podcast at 8 o'clock till 9, and then I'm doing the Honest Truth from 9 till God knows when. I was on there three hours last week till midnight or something. So, but yeah, we're going to get this whole Paddy Conroy thing sorted out tonight. I doubt he'll come on, but uh, we will see. I'll be certainly putting my case forward tonight. Uh, Jason Brown says, goalkeeper Debravka, right-back Manquillo, left-back Lewis, Centre-back Shaw, centre-back Fernandez, centre-defensive midfielder Shelby, um, J7, oh yeah, Joe Linton, of course, right-wing Murphy, left-wing Richie, Fraser, ASM and Wilson. Okay, what do you make of that, Mitch, as a suggestion? Look, there's a number of combinations we could go with. Um, I like the look of that back four, for me. Um, Fernandez is has proved that he is our best defender and uh, as I say my understanding is he's been supported by the club through his absence for a non-football reason and when he had to come on he did very 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 well indeed um, to the point where it was a surprise to see him left out but I also think it, it, it's quite clear that uh, how still thinks Lascelles is the captain and if that's the case he's going to be in the side uh, that's that's what we've got to look at realistically. Um, with everybody else, yeah, you can play around the edges. Um, it's actually a luxury now that we've got players who can slot into different positions, but that's because we have a plan, we have a formation, we're putting square pegs into square holes and not hammering things into where they don't fit. We've got somebody who seems to have turned the octagon that was Joe Linton into something that's now functional and fit somewhere. Um, and so that's actually a luxury. It, 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 it's And it sounds from, again, from what we're hearing from the training ground, that everybody's up for it and everybody's fighting hard and training for a position. And I think it's been a long time since that's happened at Newcastle United. I think it's certainly not under the Bruce era. I don't think you can safely say that that was happening. If you look at it, the latest to throw him under the bus this week was was Fraser after Wilson last week. Uh, and so, you know, we know what the squad are saying about what they're doing in training now and how much better it is and how much better they feel. Um, and, and so it's a nice position to actually have a debate about, right, we're gonna, which players are we going to play away? And you're actually slotting them into positions which you feel comfortable slotting them into. Not wondering, you know, we're playing wing-backs and we're either putting a full-back in who was then being asked to play up or putting a winger in who was then being asked to make decisive tackles in the defensive third of the field. And is it any wonder we gave away so many penalties when we had wingers playing as full-backs? 
making challenges in and around the box when they shouldn't have been anywhere near doing that. Ben, I mean, you know, from our perspective, um, you know, we're still finding our feet. Uh, Tom Dixon's asking, what is happening with the Jose Perez? He doesn't seem to get much game time at Leicester since he left Newcastle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he was kind of signed with Europe in mind and Leicester moving in the right direction as a squad player anyway. But when he first came to the club, his numbers in that opening season were very similar to his last season at Newcastle United. And he was pushing double figures in terms of Premier League goals. And he was involved in kind of 35-odd games in all competitions. But last season, the goals dried up. And he's obviously competing against a player in Ian Acho, who's gone from strength to strength at Leicester. And Brendan Rodgers really rates. And then Dakar's come into the side as well. So he is finding himself lower down the pecking order. And the only way, really, even though his game isn't necessarily about getting the same number of goals as, say, Jamie Vardy, he's still supposed to chip in with, ideally, seven to ten goals a season. And he's without a Premier League goal at the moment, albeit we're still in the very early part of the season. So he's been inconsistent, and that's what's kept him out of the side. But his role at Leicester now is very similar to when Shinji Okazaki was at Leicester City, where he's meant to do a lot more unsung work. He's supposed to drop a lot deeper and show defensive qualities. And then when he can get into the box, Leicester want him to be a poacher that can kind of stab in goals from 12 yards or less out and move defenders out of sync so others can get on the score sheet as well. And in fairness to him, he's shown an excellent attitude and he's been a really valuable team player. He always says the right things. He's doing the right things from what I understand in training as well. But ultimately, his goal tally is going down and Leicester's options for forwards, attacking midfielders, strikers, whatever position you want to try and put him in, the options Leicester have got at their disposal are going up in terms of numbers, and that may continue in January. So, unfortunately for him, he needs a run in the side, and at the same time, he needs to go on a goal-scoring or assist-providing run in order to sustain himself. Otherwise, there is a very real danger that he could be one of the names that leaves in January. Okay, Jordi Tuvalife, we'll give you two questions before we, we move on. Uh, Jordi Tuvalife says, question for Ben, if Rodgers does get sacked from Leicester, who would the fans want being realistic? I, mean, I was surprised to hear this before you came on, that some of the fans want Rodgers out. Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, it's ridiculous that anybody would want Brendan Rodgers to be sacked. If you flash back a month ago, he's suddenly in contention for the Manchester United job. If you flash back two months ago, he's the first choice on the Newcastle United shortlist, at a point where they were basically just spitballing names. Nothing really came of those talks, but it doesn't change anything that Leicester have been inconsistent and are leaking goals and are in the middle of the table at the moment. And if you take out what might have been, as I said right at the beginning, that punching above the weight series of seasons from miraculously winning a Premier League where the previous season we should have gone down to having the last back-to-back seasons where we could and should have qualified for the Champions League and certainly in the first season if COVID hadn't hit and there wasn't the long break, I think Leicester would have cruised their way into Champions League football. If you discount that and you look at Leicester City as a club and their history, Martin O'Neill was being lauded for Leicester City finishing in the top half of the table. And at the moment, we're 11th. And with a couple of wins, we'll find ourselves in fifth. So it's not really a crisis on the field at Leicester in terms yet of points tally 
and results. It's hugely disappointing to go out of Europe and in the manner that we have done. Obviously, I should say we're not technically out of Europe. We're in the Europa Conference League, but we've gone out of the Europa League in a really disappointing fashion. And Rogers's job should be safe with patient, rational owners. You're simply not going to find anyone better than him at Leicester City. <laughs> Only a couple of wins away from, as I say, being back inside the top six. He's got the right mentality. He's got the right player management. He's got the right youth development. And he's got the dressing room on his side. So were he to be sacked, either something monumental will have happened behind the scenes or this is all just scaremongering amongst the media. Because when I talk to the ownership group, when I talk to people in and around the club, current players and ex-players, they love what Rogers is doing and he's part of a long-term plan. So I see no scenario whatsoever unless somehow come January, Leicester have lost all their games over the festive period where Brendan Rodgers will be sacked. I think if Brendan Rodgers leaves Leicester City at any point, either now or in the next two years, it will be because another club poaches him, not because Leicester just washed their hands of him. Last question for you, Ben, uh, from Chris Collins, one of our sponsors at Arcot Interiors. He says, do you think the majority shareholders of Newcastle will have more of a presence at some point in the future? I mean, a lot of anti-Saudi uh, rhetoric still being written in some of the media. Not all of it now. It has calmed down a bit. And I made the point earlier on in the show that I think 2022 will see this die off. Um, I certainly think it will. It will just eventually become, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, something in the past and people will be more focused on the next big thing or the next attempted takeover. Uh, but what's your thoughts on, on the majority shareholders being at the game more? I think there'll be silence, to be honest, both vocally and for large parts of the season visually as well. Yasser Al-Rumian is a very busy man. And of course, Newcastle has a lot of public attention, but he's doing hundreds of other things in his PIF capacity. And PIF are there to use Newcastle United as a focal point to grow their brand and over time grow a football group as well. And therefore, even though Yasser Arumian is the chairman, I don't think he'll be the kind of spokesperson for the football club that will remain Amanda Staverley for the foreseeable future and then Staverley may share those responsibilities with the new CEO. And I don't think that Al Rumian is necessarily dodging any public attention. Those like Mitch in the Middle East will be well aware that these kind of people are not easy to approach and ask questions to. And that's not just Newcastle United. That's the nature of being someone like Al Rumian and being surrounded by a kind of entourage and having a variety of high profile roles. It's just they like to do their business as individuals and as a group like PIF very privately. They only like to talk about things when business is done. They show their faces, as you would expect, at big games or when things go right. And then when the majority of the day-to-day -day happens, they delegate it to people they trust, often in big teams. So I think that what would be helpful is for PIF to engage now early to kind of show that Newcastle United are continuing this transparency theme that they pushed for whilst the takeover was being completed. And if they don't want to do that with the media, PIF or Al Rumian specifically, they could engage directly with the fan base once or twice. And then they could explain to them, listen, here's how we're going to be managing it. Here's the faces you're going to be hearing from. Here's when you'll see us. Here's when you won't see us. And then if they sort of disappear in terms of their vocal presence or their visual presence, 
people will kind of understand a little bit more. What they don't want to do is start with a kind of cloak and dagger and then inadvertently be seen as kind of distant owners because then the fan base might turn on them and say, well, do you care and what are you doing? And I don't think that's their intent. But I don't think Al Rumi and, and PIF are staying away because of the takeover Ferrari, even if that's a small part of it. I think they're staying away because innately that's how PIF operate. They like to be private. They like to stay out of the limelight. And I expect that to continue for the foreseeable future. I don't expect them to suddenly decide that because it's Newcastle and football, that every kind of win and every moment needs celebrating. But I suppose the final thing I'd say, which is interesting, is that PIF's English accounts on social media did congratulate Newcastle on their first Premier League win. So digitally, it's clear that they will kind of interact to certain key moments and you'd expect them to obviously mark things like a cup run or Newcastle United staying up. So at some point, our Rumian needs to sit down and have answers to questions. Not all those questions will be friendly questions, but as I say, he also owes it, in my opinion, to engage directly with the fan base. And then once that's out the way, I think you'll basically see the people he's delegated to run and speak on behalf of the football club remaining those visual and vocal presences. And our Rumian and PAF will just continue to operate <coughs> all of their other business ventures, which is very much with a soft touch and from a distance. It doesn't mean they don't care. It doesn't mean they're not calling the shots. That's just how they operate on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. Steve, I've uh, got about six, seven minutes left. Um, yep. Just looking ahead to the game, I've got to go off and get, get a couple of that podcast done as well. So um, let's just look ahead to the game. How do you see this going, Steve? Um, well, it's interesting what Ben said earlier. I was just listening to him there and he said that uh, about Brendan Rodgers and how it would be ridiculous and how he's, his job's completely safe. So obviously what's going to happen is that Newcastle are going to win 3-0 on Sunday and Rodgers will be sacked on Monday. That's what's going to happen, isn't it? You've heard it here first. Um, so that's that's my prediction. Um, in terms of what Ben also said about uh, about communication, I think what you'll... I wouldn't be surprised if... If then, if when we do hear from Al Ramayan, uh, that what we hear it from through is something like NUFC TV, uh, NUFC.co.uk, the club's official TV channel. I think you'll possibly do an interview on there if there's ever going to be one. I think that's the way that the club will start to interact with the fans an awful lot more. Uh, but in terms of the game, uh, I think that uh, as I said earlier, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. I think it's a great opportunity to build on what we've done, uh, where we were. Um, it could be a game that involves goalkeepers. We saw it last week with a mistake from Pope, uh, who came out and claimed the ball and didn't hold on to it. We saw an interesting situation uh, in the Leicester game where uh, Schmeichel came out, thought he had his hand on the ball. Everybody else thought he didn't have his hand on the ball, as well as pressing down on the grass and the, the goal was given and then disallowed. Um and I think that caused an awful lot of conversation, which I was listening to 606 um, that evening where a lot of fans were actually stating that not only Brent, should Brendan Rodgers be getting the sack, but they wanted to, to, to take uh, Schmeichel out the firing line and wanted to bring Danny Ward in. This is the fickle fate of football, I suppose, something that we talk about uh, on a regular basis. And uh, you can be the actual hero one week and you can be the, the, the antichrist the following week when it comes to football and football fans. Uh, I'm just hoping that Newcastle can get three points. I think we can get three points. I think there's probably not going to be a better opportunity 
um, with our confidence levels and what might happen in the next sort of 24 um, in terms of who they've got available in, in the Leicester squad. Um, praying that the game goes ahead um, and praying that we come away with the three points, Steve. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, I'll go with me 3 0. I know you haven't asked for the prediction yet, but I'll go yeah, with no, three, we, need three, it, we need it. We've only got five minutes left. Yep. Go on then. 3 0. 3-0, that'll be my prediction. Anyway, we'll get on to Joe now. <laughs> no, 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 that was what I'm saying. You, you know, we've only got five minutes left, but we've, yeah. you know, that was your prediction. I, I, I yeah. got that earlier on when you said 3-0, so that's great. Okay, Joe. Tending to me there, Steve. 3-0, wow. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the momentum that I talked about earlier. I think we've got two sides who like to play football, so I'm guessing it's going to be an open game and the, and the book reflects that. Um, yes, Leicester City, COVID or no COVID, have got some fantastic footballers and we're going to have to be on it. Um, but under Eddie Howe, it looks like we're finally getting on it and I think that's a big thing. I was really impressed with Jamal Lewis, um, really impressed with Mankeo. It's it's nice to see fullbacks being fullbacks. Um, uh, you know, Sam Maximin is doing kind of what he does, uh, running down a lot of blind alleys and stuff. So I'm guessing we're either going to have to get a tune out of him or give him a spell on the bench, um, which may or may not be a good thing. Um, so, yeah, I think there will be goals. I'm thinking there'll be at least five goals. So I've got to say Newcastle win 3-2. 3-2, Neil? Yeah, keep, it, keep it simple. My heart says 2-1 Newcastle. My head says 2-2 and we'll be done by Vardy. <laughs> I love it. OK, and uh, Ben, your prediction, mate? Well, one thing's for sure, it's not going to finish nil-nil. And Steve's prediction of 3-0 to Newcastle, I just don't see Newcastle keeping a clean sheet. It'd be back-to-back clean sheets, though. So it would certainly set you on the right track if that prediction proves prophetic. But I think 2-2. I'm with Mitch. I don't see either side winning the game. I think a point would be a good result for Newcastle United. Leicester are leaking goals. Newcastle are still a bit shaky at the back as well. Leicester have got a Europa League hangover. But Newcastle on the road have been adopting more of a 5-4-1 formation. And I do expect them to be a little bit cagey and let Leicester kind of control the game. And I think that you're inviting trouble when you allow Leicester players like James Madison, Jamie Vardy, Yuri Tielemans time on the ball. So I think we'll get a high-scoring game. And to protect the fact that I'm a Leicester fan, but I have a lot of respect for Newcastle United and their fans, I'm going to sit on the fence and say 2-2. My B prediction, though, if I'm allowed to, is 8-0 Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> I do fancy a draw. I've got to be honest. Uh, I fancy a draw as well. OK, it's time for Troll of the Week. Troll of the week this week is a book review. Thanks, and Maximum. It's a bit expensive for Bob Rowley says. <laughs> that, that, is, that is your troll of the week. Okay, those of you who tuned in at the start and who have become uh, an NUFC Matters member will know that we were giving away a PlayStation 5 console tonight with DualShock controller, official Sony cam and FIFA 22 bundle, a full PS5 FIFA bundle from QTech. His Christmas draw uh, has taken place and the winner is...
John. I'm sure I will announce who that wow. is at some point. John, uh, I'm sure you'll know who that is. It was 74 uh, was the name of the winner. Gary's asking me who the uh, who what the name of the podcast is at nine o'clock. It's called The Honest Truth. Uh, the Honest Truth. So tune into that. I'll be on there nine o'clock till God knows what time. If you're interested in true crime and the goings on around this uh, neighbourhood, uh, it'll be well worth a watch. Put it that way. There's going to be a few home truths coming through. Never mind the honest truth. Um, okay, that's great, lads. We've we've hit it. Uh, we've hit it right on half past seven. Ben, special thank you to you for coming on, mate. Always great to have you on. I'm looking forward to meeting you uh, down at Leicester. I'll be in touch and uh, we'll arrange a meet up uh, just before the game if that's uh, suitable for you. Yeah, looking forward to it and safe travels to all the Newcastle fans heading down to the mighty Leicester. Great stuff, mate. Look forward to it. And as always, Mitch, Steve Hasty, Toon Tipster and Andrea, always a, always a pleasure spending Friday evenings with you. Have a great weekend, lads. Look forward to seeing you next week. Take care, lads. All the best. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.